Well, I'm just going to kick it off. Kick it off, Bobby. Kick it off. Yeah. I'm Bobby Navia. And I'm Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. New week, new episode of The Couch. It is. Uh, got some sad news to report. We do, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, there's a, there's a silver lining here, though. There's been goings on yeah. this entire week in case, <laughs> from last Friday. In case you guys haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's uh, some sort of uh, beer-related virus going around, and uh, things are changing. Uh, Bob, most yeah, most uh, most important thing to note: Bobby's uh, most anticipated film of this year, I would say. Yeah. F nine. F nine. Now a twenty twenty one film. It's rough. Yeah, that's rough. It's, they really didn't want to lose that like beginning of the summer spot. I guess. No. They're just like, yo, if we don't get this out like first summer movie, like fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you know it's. Uh, is it wrong to say that's how you know it's serious? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like everybody in the world has... I, feel, I think there were other signs. That this there were, you know, but I feel like everybody... You know, the World Health Organization calling it a pandemic yeah. sounded pretty serious. But when F9 got delayed, that's when everyone was like, shit's real. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beginning of the Fast 9 trailer when she's like... When Michelle Rodriguez is... Uh, giving the cross to the little boy and she's just like this is this is for what's coming mm-hmm. little did we know yeah what was coming she should have handed him some fucking purell purell wipes yeah yeah um but uh but yeah we were so we were going to review the trailer for a quiet place part two uh is that what it's called or is it a quiet place two or is it part two it's part two or is it chapter two no it's part actually yeah. we had it this is. conversation yeah i, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's part two yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, that has just been delayed indefinitely. Yeah. There is not currently a new release date for it. Nope. And, uh, we were actually kind of excited to review that trailer because anybody who's been listening for a long time will know that one of the first episodes we ever did of this show, of this iteration of the show, I should say, podcast version, mm-hmm. um, we reviewed the trailer for the, uh, original A Quiet Place. Right. Uh, it was like our third episode or something. So we, we saw this was coming out and we were like, I think this is our first opportunity to review a sequel to a film whose trailer, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, 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 a sequel to, a, a you know, the original, um, whose trailer we had reviewed. So we thought it'd be cool. Hey, all right, cool. Yeah. We did the first one. We've both seen the movie. Now the second one's coming out. Let's talk about the trailer. Right. Uh, but now that doesn't make sense to do because nobody has any fucking clue when the movie's coming out. <laughs> right. So uh, we pivoted yesterday. This just happened yesterday. And we were like, okay, well, what else is coming out You know, next week? Mm-hmm. Or what is still coming out next week? Because I think some other stuff has been delayed as well. Almost, um, it feels like almost all of, it feels like all of May has just been delayed. Yeah. You know, May probably going to go like into April some, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Probably going to go into some June delays as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it feels like May Marvel still hasn't moved uh, Black Widow. Mm. Black Widow comes out May first. Yeah, um, I think they're hoping things will be a little more leveled out by then. Yeah, so I guess we'll see on that it's, front. But yeah, I mean, what's crazy about this Quiet Place one is, you know, this is like eight days before it was supposed to premiere yeah. that they did this. So it's like they've done all of their like marketing spending and like ad buys. Mm-hmm. Like all that money has been spent. Um, which is crazy. I yeah. mean, that's got to be a huge, you know, I'm sure the first one was like a huge hit, uh-huh. made tons of money. So I'm sure they're not too worried about, you know, this still being able to make its money back. Yeah. People are going to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, still, it's like they got to do a whole new round of like ad buys, you know, yeah. and all that shit to like re-promote the film once it actually ends up coming out. Which again, they don't even have a date for yet, so it's like they don't even know when they're trying to, right, you know, right. <laughs> spend these advertising dollars. But um, you know, I guess the, I guess the good thing, uh, or the you know the the positive thing for them is that you know that type of like Fast Nine, I can kind of understand. Like that's a summer movie. You yeah, know, that's got to come out in the summer. Yeah, and if they're kind of unsure, like, hey, you know, it's set for May, but we're not sure really where things are going to be at, even by like August. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they miss that slot, it's like you can't just like you know if you put that movie out in the fall or something, it's not. Yeah. going to have quite the same impact. No, no, no. Um, and, and, you know, also, you know, movies like that coming out in the fall or even like, you know, or like winter, it kind of makes it look like the studio is like trying to bury them. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, it's right. never like, exactly. it's just never like a good look for like a big budget movie like that. Um, you get the, you know, you get the rant. I'm, you know, I think Fast 9 would probably make money whenever the fuck it came out. Like there's obviously so enough. Yeah, there's yeah. enough cachet with that franchise. Like, with their fan base that, you know, people would, would show up no matter when. But um, a movie like A Quiet Place too, it's like you could put that out any time of year. Yeah. You know, that doesn't need to fit into yeah. the summer blockbuster category. They uh, still have like... You know, if, if it just... came out like, hey, if they put it out in October... I was just about to say yeah, that right now. Yeah. You know, that actually makes a whole lot of sense, you know, and... Uh, yes, that's true. So, yeah. So I feel like they've got a lot more leniency with like they could really kind of slot that movie in wherever. And I think the you know, the audience is going to be there for it. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we have no idea when that's going to come out. We'll probably review it at some point. Uh, Hell yeah! Once it does. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. So we can get back around to it. But instead, today, uh, we discovered that uh, on on the twentieth, uh, next discovered. Friday, yeah, yes. there is a a very different movie from A Quiet Place <laughs> coming out. <laughs> and this movie, ladies and gentlemen, is called Deerskin. Deerskin. And. Fuck, it looks awesome. <laughs> so Dorian found this, like, Dorian texted me that Quiet Place 2 was postponed and then uh, was like, oh, well, uh, I'll look around for something, see if something comes up, maybe we can. Uh, we're actually in the middle of doing the 70 millimeter film festival at Music Box. So Woo. we've seen a couple uh, a couple of movies we've already seen and yeah. a couple of movies we haven't. So we were probably just going to talk maybe a little bit about that. Uh, and then, like, less than a half hour later, Jorian was just like, I got it. Yeah. And just sent me this trailer. Yeah. And uh, I watched it and I was like, this just looks <laughs> insane. <laughs> Uh, it's exciting. Um, so, a little bit of back. I was, I was really dis- excited to discover this trailer because um, I'm actually familiar with the director. Yeah. And I've seen two of his one of his other movies who's the director uh quentin dupieux okay uh he's a french french gentleman mm-hmm. uh most people would probably know him better by his stage name as a musician which would be mr oizo oh uh, yeah i oh i didn't i feel like i knew that yeah but i didn't you know yeah so was... yeah it's a it's a mr oizo film okay um who is a uh he's kind of like i don't know he's he's like he exists like just, just inside the border of like French electronic music royalty. Okay. Because um, it's like you know you got Daft Punk. Yes. They're obviously everyone fucking knows Daft Punk. King of the castle. Yeah, they're the kings. They are the kings of electronic, you know, French electronic music and probably electronic music in in general. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not more recently, uh, but yeah, for a long time they they were. 
Uh, and then Justice, I would put pretty pretty high up there as okay. well. I fucking love Justice. Yeah. And then like Mr. Oizo is like like friends with all of them. Okay. And so like uh, uh, Oizo's first movie that I saw of his, which I think was like his third feature he had done, was mm-hmm. a movie called Rubber. Yeah. Um, which is about a uh, a a rubber tire from a car, mm-hmm. like a spare tire that becomes conscious and can blow things up with his head like like telepathically like scanner style yeah he can just like look at something and and bubble up a bit and then your head explodes (laughs) 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 Um, so uh yeah uh uh, one of the guys from justice helped with the soundtrack for that movie oh okay i didn't know Uh, yeah him and mr oizo like scored it together yeah and then um, I think one of the guys from Daft Punk has had like a, a cameo or maybe a couple cameos oh, in right. like a couple of his movies, uh-huh. um, which is interesting too. I I I haven't seen the movies that he has cameos in. I'm curious if you actually see his face or not because that's obviously a, oh, that's a famous part about Daft yeah. Punk. They always wear the masks and everything. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so you know he's he's been around. He's been doing a lot of stuff. He's you know works with a lot of like other really interesting people in like French the the like world of, of french arts okay um and uh yeah so really really interesting guy i happen to like a lot of his music quite a bit mm-hmm. some of it is complete fucking nonsense <laughs> and, and, you know but that's that's like just kind of i think the best way to describe this guy is like it's you know his stuff is really really out there and you're either like totally into it or you're like this is just noise dude like <laughs> okay all right so i think his movies follow that same sort of artistic trajectory mm-hmm. um uh, uh based on what i've seen uh because rubber in particular you know the the trailer for it is just this like crazy you know genre film like yeah there's right. the, just this tire that's going around this like you know small desert town in like the american southwest yeah uh, or texas i don't remember where it is but it's just like blowing people's heads up and they're trying to stop this tire uh when i saw the movie <laughs> have you seen rubber yeah Okay, yeah, very different movie very from different what it was, <laughs> from what it was Super advertised different. as. Yeah, yeah. There's this entire element. I'm going to spoil this. Um, you know, this is a ten year old movie, but I still recommend watching it. Um, but yeah, there's this whole meta element where there's this whole group of people that has been brought out to this like middle of nowhere place to watch this movie, Rubber. Yeah, that's about this tire. And so like the entire movie has this group of people that are like watching the movie that are commenting on it. (laughs) And these people that are like asking them questions about it and stuff. So there's like this whole other element to the film that you'd never know from this trailer. Right. And then like and that ends up being in some ways like the more dominant element of the film. Yeah, actually, like it's it's actually more about the people watching the movie than like the movie itself. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, yeah, so, you know, it gets really, really out there, obviously. Um, I still think the movie is, like, tremendously fun and does some some really interesting stuff with its metatextual components. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just thought it was, like, really kind of fascinating. You know, it's one of those, like, whether you love it or hate it, you've never seen anything like it. Right, You know, exactly. it's, it's a completely unique thing <laughs> that could only <laughs> really come from, like, this dude's mind, you know? Um so it's interesting in that regard. And, you know, but that approach obviously can go kind of like, you know, can go either way. Yeah. Uh, it's not definitely not like a, I don't know if there's like a safe idea to go with, but it's just like, you know, um, it's, uh, it rides a fine line of being like, this can either go like 
this can go south at any point. Yeah. You know, and you don't know what you're going to get from it, but uh, he's, at least with rubber, he seemed to, you know, thread that needle mm-hmm. very nicely. Yes. No, I thought so too. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, you know, impressive. And, yeah. and, you know, it was just cool too. Like he, you know, he's one of these like DIY kind of filmmakers mm-hmm. as well. Like he, um, you know, writes, directs, edits, uh, shoots, and composes, mm-hmm. you know, for basically all of his movies, as far as I, I know, at least from what I've seen. But, um, yeah, so, you know, he, it's always like, it's, it's a very like, I don't want to say controlled vision, but right. it is, it's like, it's, he's taking control of like every part of the process and yeah, is yeah. clearly like driving it all down, like the one channel that he knows it needs to go down to be the movie he wants to make. Right. Um, so yeah. So anyway, that brings us to Deerskin. Deerskin. <laughs> Which, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and try to explain what this movie is. I'm just going to read <laughs> yeah. the synopsis. Yeah. Uh, the synopsis to Deerskin is a man's obsession with his designer deerskin jacket causes him to blow his life savings and turn to crime. Yep. It's, I mean, I knew I was in when I read that. Yeah. Before I even watched the trailer, I was just like, deerskin, what's this? And yeah. I, I clicked on it, and then I saw Quentin Dupuis' name, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> what do we have here and i read the synopsis and i was like mm-hmm. yeah this sounds like one of his movies <laughs> um okay i i do really like this trailer yeah <laughs> i really, like, I really like it a lot. lot you know it's um you know that uh it's hilarious people use it a lot as a meme but i think it's part of a i think it was a it was a Shia LaBeouf like short film that was in one of those like I love you movies, you know, like I oh, love okay. you Paris yeah, or something Parisia like that. Tem or yeah, or I love you New York. Um, but people use it as a meme where he's in like a tuxedo and he's in a he's, he's in a theater and he's like clapping, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, it's it's not the video of him the like experiment where he watched all of his movies. Right, it's not yeah. that. Yeah. He's just he's in a tuxedo and he's got like a beard and he's like you know clapping you know very prestigiously or whatever. Uh, I feel like if you had a camera on me as I was watching this, it was just sort of like, you know, those T-shirts that are just like angry, happy, sad. Yeah. Is that, you know, just all the emotions just came out while I was watching <laughs> this, this trailer and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I read some of the reviews on it on uh, IMDb as well. And like it's uh, it just looks really demented and like the the best and most like realistic way possible. Yeah. Because, you know. This is a piece of clothing that like seemingly controls this guy to do all this crazy shit. Yeah. And I can't remember isn't in the trailer like doesn't he have like a breakup? Doesn't he have like a breakup in the beginning of it and then like he finds this jacket? It kind of he there's like a brief phone call that okay. he has with someone yeah. where this person tells him like he doesn't exist anymore. That's right. And then he throws the phone away and then he's just all he's already got the deerskin jacket at okay. that point though. Okay. Yeah. But um but yeah, seemingly there's some sort of, you know, inciting incident. Yeah, that that sends him to, you know, I don't know, find something to fill some kind of hole in his life or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it's right. this deerskin jacket, you know. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, like in the trailer, he he has this deerskin jacket and then like comes to America. Right. And because uh, he was in. Isn't he in? Like, uh, it's all. It seems like it's all in France. Oh, OK. I thought or, he liked yeah. At least too. everyone's speaking in French. Yeah. It, right. But yeah. Um. And then he starts like recording stuff, like videotaping himself, like with the jacket and mm-hmm. like doing things with the jacket. And then like meets this woman who 
starts to kind of like push this further yeah. a little bit and it's just like hey you, i really like this you should do like more yeah and then it turns into like a like a horror movie kind yeah. of <laughs> where he's like murdering people yeah you know she said she yeah she tells him she really likes him she's like i want action and blood yeah and he's like all right <laughs> uh, so i guess not knowing how to do anything else he just starts actually killing people <laughs> right yeah um with a uh, uh sharpened blade from a ceiling fan yes which yeah, one of one of the like most well cut sequences I think I've ever seen in a trailer, mm-hmm. where he you literally they show him like you know because it's such an absurd thing, yeah. But they make it so clear and obvious what's happening, <laughs> and it's just like really quickly. It's like you see him like ripping a ceiling fan off, pulling a blade off of it, then driving in his car with it on the ground, <laughs> yeah, and shooting yeah. up sparks to like yeah. sharpen it, and then he like cuts a melon with it, and he's like, hmm, all, right. all right, and the next shot is like him murdering somebody. <laughs> You're like damn, what a great. What a great weapon also. Oh, yeah. It's a sharpened ceiling fan. Um, but uh, I also really like how, like, the woman is kind of... Uh, part of me wonders if, like, the woman in the movie is, like, real or just, like, a manifestation, like, mm-hmm. of the actual deerskin jacket. Yeah. Which I really love as yeah. well because that's just could be like demented. a Yeah. <laughs> could be like a house that Jack built kind of yes. situation. Oh, that yeah, yeah, Opening scene with Uma Thurman where that's it's true. like, yeah. I don't think that conversation's actually happening. I think that's yeah. all just in his head, yeah, and yeah, it's convincing yeah. him to murder this woman. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I love the way it's set up too, where it's just like he's sitting in this bar, and he, you know, there's, there's two women sitting at a table, and he's like, "You guys talking about my jacket?" And they're just like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Why would we? And he's yeah. like, "Well, as you can see, this is no ordinary jacket." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, you know, there's there's like this Patrick Bateman kind of quality to his uh, character yeah, in a way that yeah. I, you know really like turn. I I love so the the lead in this is Jean Dujardin, right? From the artist, who yeah, uh, I think Americans. That's probably all they're going to recognize him from that. And like, uh, you know, a brief role in Wolf of Wall Street, right? I think Wolf of Wall Street, and also he was in the Monuments Men. Oh yeah, yeah, that that's one, a, yeah. nobody fucking saw that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, you know, the artist obviously got tons of attention yeah. at the Academy Awards and stuff. I know, you know, it's it's interesting because that's a it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed the yeah. artist quite a bit. But that is, I know that because that came out, it was like the 2011 mm-hmm. uh, movie season. And that's considered like one of like the weakest yeah. years for in, right, right. for filmmaking in recent times. And like I, I actually looked back at the um, the list of like you know films that were up for like you know best picture that year and stuff and I was like man yeah this was kind of a rough year like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean there were definitely some major snubs because yeah. like Drive came out that year oh and sure. got oh, wow. it got nominated for like sound editing and like that's it lame uh, and I'm pretty sure uh, no it definitely did because we saw it in the theater the same day Shame also came out that year oh yeah that's and, right yeah yeah Michael Fassbender clearly should have been nominated for an Oscar for that and probably Steve McQueen as well but you know whatever um, but instead it was like you know the artists and like you know extremely loud and incredibly close and like you know just oh, a bunch wow. of stuff that's like the movies that were like these are fine like Warhorse yeah you know and it was like these are fine. None of these are like great movies, though, right. that uh, people are going to be talking about even like two years from now, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, they're they, you know, the, the artist cleaned up that year, and yeah, uh, Jean Dujardin got a lot of attention. He won Best Actor, right? Um, uh, Michelle Hazanavicius, yeah. the director, you know, he won a bunch of you know, they won a bunch of awards and all that. Oh, yeah, Hugo came out that year also, yeah. 
Hugo's a good movie. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, Everyone talks shit, but, but it's not great. It's, but it's a good movie. Like, it's, it's a good sure, it's fine. Movie. But should it have been nominated for eleven Academy Awards? Okay, no. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. it's still a good. Exactly. Well, and I'm saying the same thing with artists. You I know? think one thing I'm gonna go on a bit of a Hugo rant. I'm sorry. Yeah, but right. like, go for it. I think. Uh, I didn't know what Hugo was about because the trailer to that movie is actually really good in misleading you about what it's actually about. Because you think it's about this kid and this little robot that he's got or this toy or something. Yeah. And like the father. And like someone left him. Yeah. He's got to find like the heart for it or some shit. Yeah. yeah. And then like in the middle of the movie, spoiler alert, uh, you know, for this movie is that he actually ends up running into or uh, becoming friends with a, uh, George Millier. Yeah. And, you know, you basically, it's kind of like a love letter to film in Mm -hmm. a way, you know, Uh, through Martin Scorsese. And it was the one and only 3D movie he did, which I saw it in 3D and it was like fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like really kind of crazy to have seen The Irishman. And it's just like everything Scorsese has done, it's just like the best possible version of that medium, Uh like hands down. And then never touches it again. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, (laughs) Boom, drop the mic. I'm done. You can love it. You can hate it. But this is how it went. And I don't know. It was just something I had never seen him do before. And I feel like so many filmmakers sort of, they make the same story over and over again, but they don't really like change the, you know, change the parts in the car Mm -hmm. for it at all. And like this one was like, uh, all right, you know, uh, it was definitely like, um, I'm trying to think of just another filmmaker that has a movie that's just kind of left field. Yeah. You know, Um, still works, but like nobody really is like, Oh yeah, Hugo. You know that mm-hmm. movie was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was interesting. I remember reading about his approach to that movie, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was really interesting to hear him talk about like why he wanted to do 3D. It was certainly like a better reason than I think I've heard from any other filmmaker, which was like you know he wanted to he wanted to experience new technology in the way that like Georges Méliès did, you know, back in the like 1910s, 1920s. That it was like it was this brand new thing that like nobody had ever really fully exploited this technology and it was you know it was exciting because it was like up to you to discover how to use it right you know and that brought such a like inspirational you know kind of approach to and so such like a free like playful kind of approach to the way that these guys approach like making movies Mm -hmm. and resulted in so many like really uh you know not only like massive technological uh uh discoveries um, and, you know, techniques that have been in use ever since then, basically, yeah. you know, that, uh, you know, Scorsese was kind of like, you know, 3d is the one thing that's almost analog to that right? for like these filmmakers who were in the 1910s, 1920s, just discovering the medium. It's like, we have this totally new technology that really fundamentally changes the medium mm-hmm. and it's in its infancy and it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting time to be able to like, kind of like step into their shoes in a way. Like this is the closest mm-hmm. I can come to experiencing how they experienced filmmaking, yeah. you know, in those days. So that was really like why he wanted to do it and mm-hmm. the way that he was approaching it. So he was really trying to use it to like push what could be done with it and, you know, how it could be used like narratively and, and of course like visually as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, you know, most people do 3d because they're like, well, the tickets are more expensive for 3d movies. So Let's make it 3D. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, so I I certainly respect his approach to it much more. Um, But, uh, but yeah, again, it, uh, you know, it, 
overall was not the best year for film. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so anyway, coming back anyway, around. Sorry so, about that. Yeah. so Jean Dujardin, <laughs> yeah. star of The Artist, yes, uh, and now star of Deerskin. Um, he, uh, I, I love him in this trailer. He's really good. I really love him in this He's trailer. Really There's good. so many like the shots of him just looking at himself in the mirror, yes. wearing the jacket, <laughs> are like. It's like some of the best acting I've seen in a, you know, just in like a trailer moment, yeah. you know, in a while where it's like, you know, there's this a couple parts at the end when he's just like looking in the jacket and like kind of shoots his arms out yeah, and just right. has this like really proud look on his face. <laughs> and then, yeah, the little like stinger at the end of the trailer when he's just looking at himself in the mirror and he's just like killer style. man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's also like all this stuff could be so bad, you yeah. know, so easily, so quickly, like just play out as mm -hmm. like these really chintzy moments. <laughs> Um, but there's, you know, there's a real like commitment to his performance and a real, you know, you can kind of, again, there's this Patrick Bateman element that it's yeah. like, it's very subdued, That's a good but, comparison but to, you can yeah. kind of, you can see there's like something else going on there, yeah. you know, like kind of behind his eyes, <laughs> um, that this, you know, the, this charming love of this deerskin jacket is clearly concealing something much deeper seated <laughs> right yeah and um you know it's really impressive to be able to to convey that just in like these trailer moments you know mm -hmm. but um uh and then the uh the the female lead in the movie is this actress named uh, adele hanel mm -hmm. i believe that's how you pronounce it but uh she's one of the two leads in portrait of a lady on fire Oh, okay. yeah. So I was really excited to see her in nice. this trailer because I immediately recognized her. Yeah, she, from you know, the movie. She, yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, that that was super cool to see. And she's out. Uh, you know, I was looking through her filmography a bit more, and she's clearly into like working with like French crazy people. Sweet. Uh, which I totally dig. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Celine uh, Shiama, who directed um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mean, she seems eccentric, but I wouldn't call her like one of these like insane directors. You yeah, know, yeah. like. But, you know, then the fact that uh, Adele has worked with uh, Quentin Dupieux now, uh -huh. but she also a few years ago was in this movie called The Forbidden Room, which uh, was made by this French-Canadian guy named uh, Guy Madin. Okay. Um, who's one of these, like, insanely prolific, yeah, crazy people artists, you know, super <laughs> auteur, like, artist in the truest sense of the word, yeah. you know, not... A, it's, like, not even a filmmaker. He's, like, an artist who makes movies, okay. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, his stuff is is pretty. I, I think like my beautiful Winnipeg is probably like his most well known. Mm, okay. uh, that's had like a Criterion release and stuff. And uh, but yeah, he's you know he's all over the place and seemingly is one of those guys who like doesn't go a day of his life without like shooting something for yeah. like one of his films or something because oh, he's nice. just constantly putting shit out. But um, you know, and really interesting stuff. So yeah, so she's you know her filmography was super impressive. Yeah. I had no idea who she was prior to seeing portrait of a lady on fire, which was an exceptionally good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then looking at everything she's done, it's like, man, this is a really, really cool. You've been working with some really awesome people yeah. that like, I, I really like, and they're clearly people too, that you probably would more so like seek out, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd be looking to like go work with Gima Den and yeah, like right, Quentin right. Depew and stuff like that, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so that was super cool to see. So I love the two leads in this movie. You know, the um, I, I really like Jean Dujardin in, in The Artist. Yeah. I haven't great. really seen him in too much else. You Me know, either. I saw Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. I know the other more popular movies he did were those, like, OSS 117. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're yeah. like a James Bond kind of parody thing. Uh -huh. The guy who directed The Artist directed those, those, those two movies. movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it looks like they're doing a third one. 
Oh, okay. Um, but someone else is directing it. Yeah, I was reading yeah. a bit about it. I think the original director walked away because um, he wanted to do this character as like now he's older and he's like balding and like kind of fat oh and stuff because uh, it's like like 20 years after like the last movie was supposed uh-huh. to take place and the writer apparently like refused <laughs> so he just walked away he was yeah. like fine fuck it i'm out of here yeah, right. so i guess they ended up still doing like the big time jump but they just Kept they're the like same. let's just leave them the same Sweet. but it's like 20 years later you know so nice um so anyway, i haven't seen those movies i know those are like fairly well regarded mm-hmm. um as you know being these fun james bond parody movies nice. uh but um but yeah so i i haven't seen him in much and then you know just seeing him in this trailer it was kind of like it was cool because it was yeah again this adele hanel uh actress who i've just recently you know discovered right and i'm really into and then these two other people uh dujardin and quentin dupieux who was like I really liked what I saw of them like several years ago yeah, and just yeah. kind of like fell off my radar. And then this like brought them back yeah. right onto <laughs> it, like in the front, in front of everything else, you know, I'm just like deerskin is like the movie I'm to fucking, see. I want to see now, yeah. you know, <laughs> everything else is just like, fuck it. That can wait. I don't <laughs> care that that's been delayed. That's fine. Like deerskin better be out on the 20th. Yeah. Cause I fucking need to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also like that. It's, um, and doing uh, a little bit of research, it's only 77 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm a really big fan of uh, the most recent one that I can think of that I brought up a few times is Loose. Oh, yeah, It's yeah. only, like, 70 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm a really big fan of just that kind of contained, you know, like, story. It's contained enough and, like, straightforward enough, but can still just be, like, something completely batshit, which yeah. this movie's been called. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and still, you know work as uh work as a story but also like as a piece of art mm-hmm. you know too um so that's another reason why i'm i'm excited to see you know deerskin yeah uh uh and uh and just see like where the fuck it goes yeah <laughs> jesus this, yeah this trailer is wild yeah yeah i mean i'm you know i'm partially anticipating something similar to rubber that there's probably some other element to this movie that we have no idea about mm-hmm. um or it could straight up be no. It's it, this is all it is. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm very curious about that. Um, not just that be- not that you'd ever do this, but I immediately thought about like you when <laughs> when the guy when he's in the trailer and the and the kids like your movies are really weird, man. And he's like, no, they're fucking it's amazing. Not, no, it's not weird at all. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, seemingly, it looks like he's paying the kid off. And yeah. I'm like, why don't we feel like oh, we would do some of this shit? Like, yeah, and be like, fuck's up with your movie, dude. Or like. It's fucking greatest yeah, movie of all time. It's not even. It's not even a little bit weird. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what he tells me. He goes, "No, it's not weird at all. Yeah. It's awesome." <laughs> but yeah, oh, just man. really nonchalant and like dispassionately yes. saying it. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm pretty hyped about that. I, I love that too. I was I was fucking dying laughing during that scene. So I was like, "Damn, we really need to do a better job marketing our movie." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I was. Uh, I actually quick quick uh, digression but yeah. um the the first movie we saw at the 70 millimeter film festival that we brought up briefly in the hunt um the big trail yeah uh i was looking it up on imdb the poster for that movie mm-hmm. the tagline literally says the most important picture ever made that's what it said i was yes. like holy shit dude we are blowing it yeah on film promotion like jesus that's how you market a movie yeah no <laughs> the most definitely. important film ever made like <laughs> <laughs> it's like prove me wrong 
You know, that's a totally subjective thing. Nobody can ever tell you that that's not that true. Not, yeah. yeah, it might be. Only time will tell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, between this, between the trailer for this movie and the poster for, for the big trail, trail I'm, I'm about to just start being an asshole. Just straight up like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going to start telling people, no, I'm, I'm actually the most important director that ever lived. Yeah. You just don't know it yet because I'm still alive, you know. True. true. So, yeah. Um, I like when we, uh, talk about like these, uh, these trailers or these movies that don't get like a, you know, a big Marvel-esque, you know, rollout. Mm-hmm. Um, only because it's kind of nice to, at least when I watch something like this, it's kind of nice to watch something, um, it's almost like kind of watching a caveman make a wheel for the first time. And you realize that like. Marvel and this guy are still making the same wheel. Yeah. But they're just doing it like Yeah, the wheel is still a wheel. The yeah. wheel <laughs> is still a wheel. And like in some in you know, in some instances, like the power behind that wheel is just a little bit more potent mm-hmm. than you know, and I love Marvels and it's not a criticism, but it's it feels something a little bit more powerful than than something in Marvel. Yeah. You know? And so it's like Deerskin while watching it, while it's like it's got this really great dark humor to it and everything. There's just, uh, I kept just thinking about like materialism while mm-hmm. I was watching it. And I was like, man, this is just like cutting to the heart of like, you know, today or whatever, yeah. you know, without, <laughs> without, you know, um, without well, like televisions or anything, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, sort of giving you uh, like a reference to what's going on in the world. Like at least through the trailer, Yeah, you know, like this is just about a jacket. Yeah, you know, I, it's like there's almost like a little bit of like a taxi driver thing happening yeah. with his oh, character yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it does kind of feel like it is just sort of this like listless anxiety of like now. Yeah, you know that is what this guy's experiencing. Like, he just doesn't really understand the world mm-hmm. anymore, and like just uh, you know finds one thing that like an emotion attaches itself to. Right, and he just commits completely to that thing, and that's kind of how people function nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, so I, yeah, it's, it's I E C Gwyneth Paltrow's The Goop Show, yeah, because right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's fun. I don't know if you saw um, because uh, I sent you a direct link to like the trailer on YouTube, which is like the uh, American release trailer, okay. Um, so there is a European trailer, oh, I didn't see that, that. yeah, I saw it on um. It was on IMDb when I when I was looking up movies that were coming out the twentieth. That was the first one that came up, and there was no there were no subtitles for it though, so it was just in French. Oh, okay. And it was kind of it was still awesome. I was like, <laughs> I don't know anything that just happened, but I know I'm like I'm in yeah. on this movie. And then like the English one played, but when I was on YouTube finding the link for you, I found the um uh you know the the European trailer with uh, English subtitles on it. Oh, okay. And I watched that one, and and that trailer is uh, interesting for a number of reasons. All right. Um, I mean, we've talked on the show before about the difference between like usually like trailers for like an American audience versus an international audience. Right. How usually for an American audience, it's like capture their you know, you got to capture their attention, mm-hmm. versus internationally, you got to kind of capture their interest. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a more intellectual thing <laughs> usually, whereas like with American audiences, it's like, is it loud? Was it louder than anything else in my room or, you know, what was playing on my phone at the time I watched it? Then you got my attention, you know, and that's all that you can really do. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, the uh, the international one was a little more subdued in some ways. The music wasn't quite as like driving and stuff. uh, You know, it was funny because the international one to me kind of plays almost like a trailer for a porno movie. 
Oh. That it's like it's like every scene feels like 30 seconds later it could be a porn. Interesting. You know, but just like kind of the way it's shot, just the way some of the, you know, acting is yeah. playing out, the way they cut some of the scenes and stuff like that. And then the music itself too. It just has kind of this like I don't know, chintzy like 70s porn vibe. Huh. Uh which I kind of dug as well, All right. but in the international one it makes it seem like uh or it definitely shows that uh it's not just a deerskin jacket. Oh. He ends up getting a pair of pants, mm-hmm. uh, possibly some gloves. Okay. Couldn't tell. Like, he is continually outfitting himself in more deer skin. All right. Um, this feels like a show I'm the, watching called The Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the little, um, you know, uh, little stinger at the end of the international trailer was oh. really funny, too. It's, okay. it's him and Adele Hanel sitting at, like, a bar or something. And they're clearly kind of in cahoots at this point. Okay. Like she's in on the deer skin, you know. She's gotcha. like, "This deer skin's awesome." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there, and like they're in a booth, and he's on like the edge of the booth, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like leaning back with like his legs sticking way out. So yeah. he's like showing off the whole outfit, you know. <laughs> and the waiter comes over and he just goes, "Cool pants." <laughs> <laughs> and they both kind of like look at him, and he, he goes, "Really? Just cool? Yeah. That's it." <laughs> And then, like, and then she starts giving. It, she's like, "Don't you want to look a little bit closer, maybe, huh?" <laughs> like, it's, it's just really funny. Like, but I also love, you know, I just like to, you know, that it starts with this jacket, but just the idea of having a guy come over and comment on his pants. Yeah, right. you know, and he's like, "I have the coolest jacket in the world," and he's like, "Just the pants." Just the pants. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. I'm like, you know, it's stuff like that. It's like. Even if this is just a one-joke movie, which it very well could be. Yeah. This could just be... It might only be 75 minutes because they were like, this is as far as we could ride this one joke. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and maybe that's even like 25 minutes too much. Right. Um, but, you know, the the humor of it is just like spot on for me and just, I don't know, tickles me in a way that most other comedy in film does not. Yeah. Um. Because it just, you know, it's 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 almost like the FP in a sense, where it like revolves around just like this straight faced commitment to the joke. Yes, you know, and yeah. that type of stuff. When you've got this absurdist of a premise, right? Uh, you know, the FP is like eighty five to ninety minutes, and you know that's that is a total one joke movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it works great for me. I also feel like I think about right now when you're talking about it being like a one joke movie or movies today. Like I, um, like I really like Judd Apatow movies. And so much of those movies, I remember like in, uh, I remember in Knocked Up, I think it was, or some movie, uh, Jonah Hill is in it and he makes uh, a reference to how hairy somebody's uh, knuckles are. Uh And he says like, you've got like Robin Williams hands or something. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I feel like most comedies, or let's, let's just say like your mainstream comedies, the comedy comes from inherently commenting on like what someone's wearing what they look like how they look like and that being like the joke yeah or some pop culture reference right yeah and you know like the fp and also deerskin it's like if you can if you can take yourself out of the absurdity of it like no one is ever commenting on like what somebody's wearing as the joke yeah of it you know they're just like you said they're committing to the joke but you know you know they're they're like living it 
yeah. too. You know, it's not it's not funny because someone's just like, oh man, look at these boots or look at the game, look at the Dance Dance Revolution, the Beat Beat Revolution that we're playing. Yeah. You know, but it's just that we're living in this world like seriously. Yeah. It's like it it brings you into its world yeah. and then all of the comedy is derived from the internal logic of that world. Yeah. Versus like the Apatow movies you're talking about, they exist in our shared world, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so the comedy they can just make references to things that exist in our world, mm-hmm. and we hopefully will get them. Yeah, you know, right. um, but I, I love this approach, like of just kind of like bringing us into this like much narrower kind of like focused place that doesn't exist in our reality. Yeah, and then making jokes within that you know kind of context mm-hmm. is uh, you know when done right is yeah, is right. really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and, and I think very funny, you know, yeah, as well. No, like yeah. I, I really get a kick out of that because it's like these jokes wouldn't work Mm-mm. normally, you know. They only work because you put them inside of this world. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like I don't know. Creatively, also, I just find that really impressive. Yeah, yeah. The ability to envision that, be able to like, you know, to be able to envision a world so well that like you can make jokes about the way that it works yeah. and have the audience actually even understand them, you know is uh is just it's really cool i uh, yeah for me that that just kind of like tickles my funny bone more mm-hmm. so than you know some lightly edited improv yeah right you know? that's true yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah yeah um do you know if this movie is getting like a theatrical or is it just vod it's, it or? says in theaters okay. so on the 20th so i'm got you know pretty limited release i'm sure yeah. you know it's uh i haven't seen anything about music box showing it which would be my anticipated you know venue but you know, who knows? It could be playing at like Arclight. It's like a lot of those bigger theater chains are, you know, trying to do like we have like one or two screens that we mainly show like indie or smaller films on. Right, right. Because, you know, like like Dragged Across Concrete when we went and saw that was playing at Arclight only, only for one week, right, you know. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, so I haven't looked up where uh, it will hopefully, but I'm hoping like one of the theaters here is going to be showing it, um, you know. We'll see how we feel about going into a movie theater, you know, by the end of next week. But true, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is in in closing for me. I guess this is this is the type of movie I get fucking I get like Bobby hyped about. All right, you know, like yeah. when I see when I saw this trailer yesterday, I was just like, I gotta tell everyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the world to know what I just found out. You know, it's like sharing like an important scientific discovery. It's good to. Um, it's good to like uh, watch one of these movies, even if like you are not into it. Yeah, because it just sort of like I guess we've been saying the whole the whole episode, but like it's a uh, I know I have a lot of these moments where I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you know, like you know, if, uh, movie making and filmmaking and writing like they're hard, but then like when you watch something that looks so effortless based off a simple idea, yeah, like you realize that sometimes maybe the audience can just fill it with like massive amount of subtext, and you don't need to like answer everything so yeah. it's like the trailer or the movie doesn't need to tell me that like you know uh the deerskin jacket once belonged to like ted bundy or something like right that. do you yeah. know what i mean it's just the fucking bomb ass jacket fucking awesome deerskin yeah. jacket. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it you know uh so it's like nice to like it's nice to be like reassured that something that you know uh like an idea like this can be just so like simple yeah um it just makes me happy yeah to like know that there's some guy who's like yeah i'm gonna make a movie about this yeah exactly and like the people <laughs> getting like like legit actors showed up to do it yeah. and, like, it's, it's gotta awesome. be like the ultimate form of like 
Yeah, I've never directed or written any theater, but it's got to be like the ultimate form of theater in like the movie, uh, like being on a set wise. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you just have this jacket. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to kill this person, you know, yeah. with a fucking uh, blade of a fan. Sharp fan scenes. blade. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it as well. I yeah. also see some other of this of this dude's work. So um well, I got a question for you. Yeah. We can wrap it up. Um, do would you what what object would you make a movie around? Oh man, did you think about that at all? Like, I, I, yeah, I thought it bit, crossed my yeah. mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, it's I'm jealous that I'm not making a movie about a deerskin jacket because <laughs> I'm like, fuck, what a great idea! <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why it's a good idea, but I love. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um. It was a uh, yeah. I mean, it's. Man, I I feel like any like right now, just because I'm still so like enamored with this, mm-hmm. I feel like anything I say is just going to be like a derivative Derivate. and and less interesting yeah. facsimile of what he's doing right here. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> um, so man, it's you know it's hard to say. Uh, I I feel like anything I you know anything that's kind of like of that level of interest to me, just off the top of my head. Um, you know, isn't nearly as like idiosyncratic as this. It's much yeah. more just like, well, you know, you know, it, it, like it, immediately in my head was like, you know, like Japanese souvenir jackets, you know, because like I love oh, those. Okay, but again, yeah, it's yeah. like, why does it have to be a jacket? Okay. And then also like drive totally fetishized those things already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So again, totally derivative. <laughs> Not nearly as cool as a fucking French guy. It's, uh, there's also this like the cultural, you know, because like that, that deerskin jacket, it's such like a Western you know, cowboy kind of vibe oh, yeah, that's with true. all the fringe and everything. So the fact that like, you know, a French guy is like super into it. Yeah. Is, you know, there's this extra level of just like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there is, you know, to some degree, you know, it's funny. It's like, then this is like a total stereotype, but it's like, you know, French culture is always super into like what America was like in the past. Yes. But they hate Americans right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> So it makes sense that they would totally romanticize this like cowboy kind of look. So I kind of get true. that. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, it's like this old American style, you uh-huh. know. Uh, whereas like American now, they're like, no, I don't want fucking nothing to do with that. Because <laughs> um, again, you know, even like looking at the you know history of film, that's where like French New Wave came from. Right. It's like they were obsessed with like American gangster pictures mm-hmm. and like crime pictures, and they were like American genre film was like their proof of concept for the whole auteur theory that they were developing right. as the French New Wave. And yeah, you know, that's what they looked to as far as like, you know, proof that this this was true and like where people were putting their, you know, personal thumbprints on a film they were only allowed to do in genre films because studio films were so tightly controlled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You couldn't really do that. Yeah. Um so again, like, you know, just seeing the you know, those those like little tiny clues that like this guy it's not just I had this weird idea and let's do it. Yeah. You right. know, there's like actual legitimate intellectual like thought. Mm-hmm. behind these things too and like that's what makes this impressive and i think you know separates a guy like like uh you know depew from people who make you know weird just for the sake of weird kind yeah. of movies and you know which which usually even me being very into experimental surrealist kind of cinema like when i see something that is like you're just trying to be weird just mm-hmm. to be weird it, like i i hate that almost even more than any other type of film okay cuz it's like not only do i think it's stupid and and literally has nothing to say but it like delegitimizes 
because so many people, you know, don't like art films because they're like, oh, it's just a bunch of weird shit that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it's like, well, the bad ones are. Right. But I would argue that bad mainstream movies are also just a bunch of weird shit that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not really like a valid complaint <laughs> in my mind. But that's just like the like blanket view of the art film to most people who don't really, you know, uh, expose themselves to those types yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when I see movies that actually fall into that trap, I get furious because I'm like, you're you're not only, you know, uh, you're not only reinforcing this bad stereotype, but you're actually like taking away from people willing to take a risk on somebody who actually is doing this for a reason, right? And exposing themselves to somewhere they go, huh? Actually, they really had something to say there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. starting to understand like what an art film can really do, mm-hmm. you know? So. So, yeah, I think, you know, this guy, uh, from what I've seen in the past of him, I, I, he just seems to strike a really good balance between, like, the absurdist and the, like, intellectual. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, really, really dig it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So. Awesome. What would your object be? Do you have an object? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, a cup of coffee Yeah. comes to mind, you know. Uh, I get coffee every day. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, you know. I drink Dunkin' Donuts. Amer- I know I run on uh, America runs on Dunkin' Donuts. Fuck, man, just fucking watch Twin Peaks, please. So, like I know, I just, Twin I Peaks is practically <laughs> the, what you're describing right now. Okay, it's like if coffee were a thing that like yeah. could change the entire world. All right, like that's that's basically a plot point in Twin Peaks. Okay, <laughs> all right, or at least a character element. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would uh, well, I would do the maybe maybe a cup of coffee. I like a cup of coffee. That's that's a nice one. Cup of coffee. You can go a lot of places with it. A lot of people drink coffee. Yeah, they do. You know, they sure do. But just magically disappeared, and I right. had the only uh, coffee maker that would make coffee I anymore. Couldn't. Or no, it's it's just like it's like one type of coffee bean or something like that. Yeah. I just imagine you sitting in a cafe like. You know, and there's a couple women at a table down the <laughs> down the you know bar top from you, and you're just like, "You talking about my coffee?" Yeah. And they're like, "Why would we be talking about your coffee?" And you're like, "Well, as you can see, this is clearly no ordinary coffee." <laughs> um, I'm um, I guess I guess the last thing that I I kind of wanted to bring up as well that I guess we've we've discussed a little bit, but um, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm just I'm curious again that that like line at the beginning when. You know, the woman on the phone tells him, like, you don't exist anymore. Yeah. Just because of having seen Rubber and, Uh, you know, knowing what he did with that movie that I'm like, I'm really wondering if there is this like giant existential component to this movie. There could be that. I mean, they're very that could be a completely literal line in this movie that it's like, no, he actually doesn't exist anymore. Like he might be dead. Right. Or has somehow otherwise, you know, undergone some sort of existential disaster. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, which means evil star, by the way. <laughs> um, As we learned last we night learned about Haley's comment from the movie uh, yeah. Life Force. Uh, um, yeah, that's interesting. I thought about I'm, that too. Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious. Like, I, I feel like the first, you know, I, I'm almost more interested in like what the first five minutes of this movie is than like the like the rest of it. I kind of feel like I know what it's going to be down, yeah. once we get into like Deerskin World. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, what? what like the the first like few minutes and the last few minutes of this movie, I'm yeah. I'm extraordinarily curious like kind of what he's got in store, mm-hmm. you know, because it very well could be a one joke thing, but yeah. I I just feel like this is a guy who does a little bit more than that, yeah. you know, that even if it is one joke for most of it, there's still going to be something mm-hmm. that gives it at least the a, a kernel of substance, you know, right. by the end of it. 
Um, and I'm just, I'm very fascinated to see what that is. Um, I don't know why this is coming to mind. And if it delves into a deeper conversation, that's fine. But when you were, you were talking about like mainstream movies, art movies, and, you know, people not, uh, uh, exposing themselves to a lot of things. I tried to start to think about like, uh, what's a mainstream movie that kind of uses this, like, like an object or mm-hmm. something. And I, I, I know last year you and I, we watched Christine yeah. again. And I just thought like, that movie definitely lays more on like a horror side to it, but you still have those moments in this movie, in that movie where you're like, is there yeah. a, a point of existentialism? Like, is this really happening mm-hmm. or is it just in his head? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and I think, uh, and that I complete think, obsession with an object. Yeah. yeah that's obviously know? like a, you know, a, a replacement for something. Right. That still you're makes not a getting. comment about it socially, you mm-hmm. know, just in its plot, you know, but, uh, I would say like John Carpenter is a really good job at, doing that in sort of a mainstream, you know, B movie kind of way, like the thing, you know, even though it's a, you know, if you're going to dumb it down, it's a midnight monster movie, but there is this whole thing about like disease and viruses and all that kind of stuff and who's infected and who's not. And just the paranoia of that Mm -hmm. too, uh, is something that like, you know, it's in there. Yeah. That subtext is in there, you know, but it's not, you know, the driving force behind it, Yeah, (laughs) you know? So, uh, have you ever have you ever seen Chungking Express, the Wong Kar Wai movie? No. Um, well, it's excellent. Okay. Uh, really, really should see it. But yeah, yeah there's a guy that uh, in that movie that becomes obsessed with um, it's like expired canned pineapples. Oh. As like a this surrogate for like uh, you know his his longing for this like woman who's not reciprocating at all. And he becomes obsessed with like eating these expired canned pineapples huh. <laughs> wow. as okay. a way of like filling that void. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. It's, but you know, I, I'm just uh, like trying to think of like, yeah, these kinds of like weird surrogate obsessions, mm-hmm. you know, in film. Cause usually in most films, it's like the, you know, the, the man or the woman just becomes the object of obsession. Right. You know? And there's certainly no shortage of movies like that, but you know, this stuff where it's like, it's it's not about that. It's about this thing, yeah. you know, and obviously this thing st- standing in for something else. Right, right. You know, but still it's like just that how that that sort of like emotional trajectory gets veered, you know, from the actual object of desire to this other thing that in some really, really abstract, oblique way yeah. represents that other thing. And it's like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that was that was one that just jumped into my head while you started talking about Christina. Nice. I was like, oh yeah, those fucking pineapples in <laughs> <laughs> fucking Chunking Express. Oh, I haven't watched that movie in a long time either. But hopefully, uh, hopefully the rumors are true and we're getting that Wong Kar Wai set from Criterion this year. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I have the Chunking Express Blu-ray though. Mm-hmm. It was um, this this does not relate to our podcast whatsoever. But okay. It was one of the three movies that Criterion first released on Blu-ray. Oh. It was uh, The Third Man, okay. Chunking Express, and Bottle Rocket were huh. the first three movies they put out on Blu-ray. All right. Did uh, they start from zero or no? No, they were... They um, continued? Yeah, the they numbers? continued. And and if if they reissue a movie on Blu-ray that they had put out on DVD, it, it has the same spine number as the DVD Oh, release. okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah, so they keep the number... The numbering is by movie, not yeah. like release. Gotcha. Um, so like The Grand Illusion is always going to be release number one. Yeah. Um. But, uh, um, but yeah, so those were the first, so I bought Chung King and Bottle Rocket Uh and I'm, I'm fairly certain that all of them are out of print now. So they're kind of like a little bit of a collector's item. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but the one I didn't buy on Blu-ray was The Third Man mm-hmm. because I had just bought the DVD release like within the past year, oh, the Criterion DVD okay. of it. So I was like, ah, I don't want to double dip on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll save my money for like other stuff that they release that they, you know, I don't already own. Yeah, right. And I don't know, I, I don't know what happened, but like three weeks later, the Third Man Blu-ray was fucking totally out of print. They wow. like didn't have the rights for it anymore or something and was gone and was selling on eBay for like hundreds of dollars. Wow. I was just like, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. <laughs> like, I should have bought that. Jeez. It was like 20. I was like waffling over like 20 bucks, you know, <laughs> like, ah, I don't know. This is a great movie and all, but, you know, don't know if I need to double dip this soon. And sure enough, should have totally just bought it. Damn. But anyway, but yeah, so I think that was like when. That's probably the last time I've watched Chungking Express. I, I think I had seen it prior to that, at like a theater in Boston, you know, okay. or a couple art house theaters that I frequented when I lived there. Um, and then, yeah, when that got released, I was like, yeah, got to buy that. Right. It's a great movie. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably been a good like eight or nine years since I've watched that. Oh, wow. It's so fucking good. But yeah, canned pineapples. Canned pineapples. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. I think that's the perfect place to leave it. Yeah. Can pineapples. Can pineapples, y'all. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody.